Welcome to The Market Tech, the podcast series where leadership and product marketing intersect. Today, we have a special edition of The Market Tech coming to you from the biggest compete event of the year, Compete Week, powered by Clue. In, um, in keeping with the theme of Compete, we have the pleasure of chatting today with three executives who play a crucial role in orchestrating their company's go-to-market strategy and consequently helping said companies not just compete, but with these three, I know they win. So why did I pick these three specifically? So do you ever get the feeling that you're outmaneuvered, outplayed, outmatched sometimes? There's really no worse feeling in business. And now, as we head into 2023, one thing is bloody clear. We're all bracing for economic upheaval. And fortune, frankly, will favor the bold. And most importantly, the focus in 2023. So today we're going to explore how you can get focused as you compete and consequently help your organization position to win. And now it's my pleasure to introduce you to Siobhan, my fellow Canadian turned Silicon Valley a Hall of Famer, Ronell and Mark. Welcome, everyone. Hello. All hey. right. Well, well, thank you for lending us your time. Um, if you don't mind, let's just get to it. I know we're on the clock here, but let's start with the basics of product marketing and enablement. Ronell, let's start with you. Yeah. Can you share, level set, what is your definition of product marketing? You know, when I think about product marketing, it's really simple. It's all about the customer. Product marketing is the voice of the customer internally to the company, but also externally as we as, we, as companies look to engage um, with their customers. So it's all about the who, like who are we, who are you engaging with, but also then thinking about how are you going to drive really impactful, you know, products, messaging, and making sure that you're driving the vision and capturing the marketplace. And I think that all kind of for me is in a, in a simple in a simple way is what I think product marketing does. The voice of the customer internally and really driving the market and where a product and organization is going. Boom, love it, Ronell. Mark, what's your take? I mean, you you've had experience at HubSpot, Drift, now Airme. Your definition of product marketing? Yeah, I mean, product marketing is a player in helping shape the markets, right? So, so great marketers um, create and shape markets. Um, so, great product marketing should at least shape it, if not create markets. Um, and yes, grow and capture those markets with the help of the sales team. And Siobhan's going to talk a lot about this on the enablement side, of course. But um, product marketing should create new ideas in the mind of the customer to Ronell's point. So it's not just about bringing products maybe to market. It's about bringing narratives and stories to market. And in many ways, they do that in conjunction with other teams as well. So it's a very collaborative function. Uh, but it's it's bigger than just, I think, product uh, go to market, in my opinion. Fantastic. Siobhan, let's turn to you. Enablement and product marketing go together, like Sinatra says, like love and marriage, like a horse and carriage. I'm not going to sing the rest of the song. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but let's level set with our audience here. Uh, folks paint enablement with this broad brush. Set the record straight, please. What is enablement? So I could do this for like three hours, but I'm going to break it down to a very small. Enablement is a strategic lever that's used within an organization as a force multiplier when it comes to coaching, 
when it comes to supporting salespeople, when it comes to working with other teams like product management, product marketing, in order to affect the way that our customers experience with us, right? What that's going to be. And it's done in an accountable way between enablement and sales leadership and product marketing and our investors. Whew. We now have the foundation for the rest of this chat. So we understand a level set on product marketing and enablement. Mark, let's start this next one with you and then we can get Yvonne and Renault's take. Imagine it's the end of the year. You look back at product marketing and enablement's effort to help your company compete. What does success look like for you as a CMO? How are you measuring product marketing and enablement? Most things in marketing, it's like depends. Right, so so I'll I I won't give that generic answer. I'll give you a framework to think about it. Definitely mature maturity stage of the market, maturity stage of the company, and maturity stage of the product. You got to you have to you have to unpack that, and then even maturity slash stage of the sales team potentially. There's that that is that component too. Um, so take taking those four things into into account. The other framework I like to use is just like engage, you know, how much is it about driving engagement and, and what metrics can go to that? I bet Ronell and Siobhan can talk about that from both the external and internal standpoint. W one other one is then, of course, like revenue. So it's like pipeline, revenue, the sales funnel, et cetera, et cetera. And then I know Ronell has a huge take on this, which is like usage of the product. How much is it driving usage and value? So for me, I, I kind of want to understand those metrics given the context of the, the first four things I said. Love it. Uh, Siobhan, your take, how are you measuring enablement at the end of the year? What does success look like specifically for enablement? Yeah, specifically for enablement, it would be a number of factors. Uh, my discussion when it comes to leaders like Mark and, and Renal is we talk about, does productivity go up and has attrition gone down? That's what they care about. When we talk about on the marketing side, it is, is the content that's been created by marketing, has it been adopted, has it been effective with the customers that are out there? And that kind of feedback to make sure that what we're creating and what we're doing together as a team is actually going out there. Uh, we track some of the more nebulous things like, are we having the critical conversations instead of this artificial harmony, right? So are we really having those conversations with our customers? And, you know, along with the other typical training and, and other KPIs like that, how many courses, who's done it, what are the average scores? But those are for me and enablement. Those are not for the sales leaders. Love it. Has productivity gone up, attrition gone down? I love that take. Ronell, bring it home. Um, and, and, I, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know why I started with it's the end of the year. What does success look like? As we plan for 2023, I, I, I'm assuming you're going to be working backwards, but you're putting a stake in the ground. What does success for product marketing look like in 2023? Yeah, you know, I think looking forward, right? You, you definitely love what Javon and Mark had to say about, you know, the, the metrics and things that you think about. But when I think about success, I think about it in three areas, right? And they're really broad terms. So awareness, the first one, and awareness for me could be anything from, hey, all the thing that product marketing is doing, all the stuff that demand and growth is doing, everything that enables, that's all awareness, like getting everybody smart, whether it's internally or externally and building that knowledge base around, you know, uh, the, what we're offering, the brand, the company, right? The next part for me is around adoption. And it's interesting when I think about adoption, this is purely, hey, can 
because we built all this great awareness, can those teams in the field, the sales teams go out and deliver? And, can, and like Siobhan was saying, hey, we've, we've actually set them up for success. They're hitting the ground running. They're getting adoption because customers are actually buying the product. They're signing those agreements. And then the last one, but so important, is what I call usage. And this is very simple. It's product usage, right? And in my mind, you can move through each of those stages and start to think about, hey, have we been successful? And really what it points to to me is that each team is dependent on each other. Like we can't be successful on our own. It requires all these different parts of the organization being successful. And so in a lot of ways, in my mind, they're shared, right? But each of us provide, drives a certain part of it to really deliver the ultimate success, which is really customers getting value, delivering better experiences for their customers, and then ultimately, you know, whatever it may be, driving revenue for the company or shareholder value. I love that you take it all the way to usage and you're not just throwing things over the fence. You're being accountable. Uh, that's fantastic. So all three, we level set on what product marketing enablement is, how you measure success. Now let's get to the how. How are you leveraging these two functions to position your companies to win? And just as a reminder, uh, win is a framework uh, that I've leveraged and, and just fairly recently created. And it stands for W is the who, who are you going to win with? Get razor focused. We don't win with everyone. Who are you going to win with? Your best fit customers. Inversely, who are you going to win against? Your competitors that you choose to compete against. The I in win is impact. What is the impact of the value you provide your customers? And then finally, the N. Uh, this is where rubber meets the road. It, it blends the execution and the marketing together. What is the narrative that's going to help your sales reps have conversations that win to articulate that value? And what is the narrative that's going to help your actual buyers um, resonate with what you have to offer? So let's start with a W in the win. Renell, if you don't mind, we'll start with you. How do your teams, your product marketing team, decide who to win with and who to win against? Yeah, you know, it starts with us, you know, at Qualtrics, one of the things we look at is who are we serving, right? And what are their outcomes? And when I joined Qualtrics about eight months ago, the first thing I did is like, hey, we need to do some research. Let's understand this customer. Let's understand who they are, what their challenges are, their, their, their pain points, what their big goals are. And it really has helped inform us on what we need to do. So that, that pivotal work at the beginning of really spending time understanding, and then it's continuous, right? We take that information. We surface it with our, our internal teams across PR, across sales, and really try to say, hey, are you seeing the same things? And that has helped us to really crystallize the who. And now we're laser focused on the who because we've done that work. And now we're able to kind of move forward in the other areas that we're going to talk about here shortly. But I think spending that time deeply understanding who they are, for me, it's always begun with research and then really grouping, going around to my peers across the organization and understanding, hey, does this resonate? This is what you're seeing. Love it. Mark, staying on the concept of who uh, we win with, who we win against, you've created two legendary communities during your time at both HubSpot and Drift, and really they are legendary. Uh, can you share your role uh, or the role of community in helping organizations better clarify who to serve and who to compete against? For me, it's actually another W even before the who these days, especially going into like this economic downturn is the what. So what market do we serve and what types of businesses are we trying to sell into? So you can think of that as like pre-qualification or fit, right? It's the fit of the solution to the overall business. And 
do that work up front, basically, right? That's like ICP definition. That's your named account list, et cetera, et cetera. Then the other W is the who, which is more about the buyers, right? The customers and, and the intent to Ronell's point. And the, the who for me is think of, I think of it in three ways. I think of it as like the buying center of the who. And I'll give you an example. Like, so we traditionally at Aramate sell to marketing teams. So the buying center of function is marketing. There are definitely different buying groups within a bigger marketing team. There's demand gen that we could sell into, there's customer marketing, um, and then there's the event marketing team or brand, depending on which team is using it for which, which use cases or problems they're trying to solve. And then there's the personas. And there's like, a lot of people think, oh, the, that is the who, the persona. But like, I actually think you got to like zoom out. So when you really think about your product marketing, you really zoom out to those levels you know, it, it really changes how you enable then your different sales teams, the messaging you do in market, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's two W's, the what and the who. Oh, love it. It's like these nesting eggs and you got to keep going, uh, you know, peel peel the layers and, until you get granular enough so that everything else can uh, can be targeted. I love that, Mark. Siobhan, again, who, two components, who we win with, who we win against. Focusing on competitive intelligence for a moment. Uh, what have you observed and or done in the enablement function regarding the sourcing of competitive intelligence? So there's a number of things. We know we've got all sorts of information coming in. You've got data sheets and white papers and all sorts of, you know, uh, battle cards and, and whatnot. That's a lot of data to try to consume as a seller. And so one of the things we do is we work very closely with the PM teams to say, let us boil it down to the parts of that that we need currently and where the sellers are right now and where our customers are. So for example, at Slack, we're in Q4, which means I really don't care about a deck on compete for prospecting right now. That's not really gonna help me. What I do care about right now is objection handling. What are deals that we've won against this, this, this particular competitor and why? So there's another W, right, is the why. Why did the customer buy from us? Why did they buy from us now versus the competitor? And why are they even buying at all, right? In this macroeconomic climate, why are they buying? When you can answer all of these W's, the you know the why, the who, and the what, then I think you've really got that that magic W, the magic for the win. So when you've got all three of those, love it. And then once you have that, let's move to the I in win, which is the impact. Uh, once you understand who your best for customers, who your competitors are. What are your expectations of product marketing? So imagine now that Ronell and you work together. Uh, what are your expectations of him and his team to really educate your sales team on not only the value of your offer, but the impact of that value? See, that's a really interesting conversation because what I've seen in the past at other companies, and you still hear about it a lot, is that PM is being asked how to sell instead of being asked how to determine impact. And determining impact, I think, comes from the answer of two questions. The first one is, as a seller, why would I even care about this that you're putting over the fence to me? And number two, how is it going to help my customer buy from me? When you can measure those two things and have that conversation, then I think the impact is going to be a lot harder because it's not just a brochure we're going out there. Instead, we ask the folks that have all that information to give us the five to 10 open-ended questions that the sellers can ask in order to begin that conversation, right? That's how you have impact is making sure that the conversations you're having with your customers is the right conversation, as opposed to trying to figure out how am I going to sell them? It's how am I going to help them buy? Love it. And so Renal, I hope you're taking notes here, but uh, 
let let's double click on what on what Siobhan's asking. So she wants to understand the value, the impact of that value, and also uh, you know the, the right questions to ask so that they can lead the conversation, lead the witness, if you will. Can you expand on how your team is first of all understanding the value that you provide, and then you know the sec second part of that is the impact of this value to your best fit customers? Yeah, you definitely. So first of all, I would I would you know love to work with Siobhan because I think she and I are of, of like minds. I think. When I think about the impact, like and how and what we're delivering, the value we're delivering, I think it really comes down to and product marketing, PM, engineers, all up front. You know, if you think about the chain, you really need to spend a ton of time of, you know, what I like to do is previewing the product or betaing it, like making sure that you're engaging with customers to understand, hey, how is this actually delivering value for you in terms of what you're seeing as the challenges that you're facing? And really kind of going deep and making sure as we're developing any type of product that we're getting that customer feedback earlier in the process. And that helps inform me then on like really having some strong customer advocates, if you will, or testimonials that can help us to then position what we have in a really clear way of, hey, here's what we have, here's what we've built, here's what customers are using it for, and here's the value they're, they're deriving. And that to me is impact. That is me then giving and then working alongside the enablement team, someone like Siobhan, and actually being able to take then a full complete story of product and value and delivering that to our sales team so that they can be effective. They can charge any hill with that type of information is my, is my thought. And I think that really then delivers on the impact uh, that we're looking mm -hmm. for, which is actually helping customers to see what they can actually do with a product because of we've done that work up front. I love it. I don't want to belabor the point here, but let, like Mark, let's just stay with the topic of impact and value for customers just a bit longer. Um, many tech organizations, they focus on communicating the capabilities of their products and service instead of, you know, the related offering and the impact that it drives. This is unlike, from what I've seen, uh, HubSpot and Drift, who did a great job of sharing content that drove home the impact of the value that they provided customers. And now you're doing the same thing at Airme. We'd love to better understand how, what is your process and your team's process for really understanding value that the customer uh, requires and more importantly, the impact of that value? So I'll give an example of something we did at Drift. Renell will definitely remember this. I, I And we, I think all four of us love mental models and frameworks, yeah, probably for many reasons, but we've talked about a lot of them today. Maturity model. It's so underused across so many businesses. Now, why a maturity model is so good? It tells a story and gives you quantifiable, defensible value metrics that you can use as part of pre and post sales. So if you like, you know, Google like the revenue acceleration maturity model, it still exists. I know Drift still uses it to this day. And it's something that helps customers understand through five different stages of why they should use not just Drift, but like the overall solution or category that we're talking about. How does it work? If you go really deep into each stage, you can figure that out. And then what are the different things that they should be using from a product standpoint to achieve these outcomes that other customers like them before them have achieved, right? So it helps you create these business cases and all these other things. So I think a great maturity model is probably one of the un most underutilized things in every single marketing and sales team. I'm putting that out there right now. And it's something that should be used a lot, lot more. Brilliant. So with maturity model top of mind, with impact and value in hand, let's now go to the N in win, which is narrative. We covered the who, we covered the impact. Now let's end with narrative. Uh, Ronell, 
How does your product marketing team convey the impact and value that you unearth? How do you package this and convey this in narrative form? Like, What's your approach to storytelling, both internally and externally? And I'm really intrigued because you also have the B2C experience. Uh, and for me, B2C marketers do it much better than B2B. We're getting there. We're learning. Uh, but share with us your take. You know, it's interesting. It, when I think about the narrative and really trying to make it meaningful to customers, the first thing that comes to mind is how do you actually make it connect like emotionally? And that may sound weird in a B2B environment, but I think it's so understated in the SaaS world and enterprise world because we think about speeds and feeds. Like, here's what our product does. But what we forget is that everybody that's buying is a human, that they're a person, right? And they may be working behind the desk for a company, but at the end of the day, and some of the things that I've learned from my B2C experience is people still, no matter how they're buying, they buy with a more of a consumer mindset. So for me, when I think about narratives, it's really crystallizing. You know, we talked about already the who, but like we know them so much so intimately that when we're talking and we're crafting a story and a narrative, that the thing that we're talking about, you can see them in the room and the seller can see them across or whoever's in the room, see them nodding their head, shaking like this, like this person gets me, right? They know what I'm feeling. They understand my pain. And, they, and, and so now you have them hooked in my mind. You have them ready to say, hey, what do you got? Like you've been telling me, like I, you, you get me, but what do you have that really can help solve this fundamental problem that I'm experiencing? And that opens the door. It paves the path, right? To actually continue the storytelling and the narrative around, well, let me tell you a little bit about my company, what we do and how we can help your business achieve your goals and what value we can derive for you. And that, that to me is quintessential what is so desperately needed and what we're doing from a narrative standpoint, because that connection, that relationship is missing. Ugh, love it. You, you get it, Ronell. But, you know, through my conversations with many enablement leaders in the product marketing community, I hear from quite a few, the enablement ones, that uh, complain that they typically receive fluff from their product marketing peers, definitely not from this guy over here. But Siobhan, uh, with your frontline sales folks, this is your customer, your sales folks is your customer, in the trenches, what, what advice do you have for product marketing leaders when conceiving the narrative for enablement and customer conversation purposes? I think the first thing is that we have to have a paradox mindset. So it's definitely, you know, adding on to what we've already heard in that we have to put our, we have to put our side, our, ourselves on both sides of that fence, right? On the positive side and on the, you know, the negative side, if you will, the one that's not, doesn't quite believe and figure out why, right? It's that it's coming down to what Renell just said is that what is it that these people are struggling with? And when we can put ourselves into those environments, then we can come away saying, oh, okay, so this is what they're really caring about, right? They care about the why. They care about what value is this going to do for me, right? The, the thing I tell my team all the time is you have to reimagine the status quo, Think about the way they've always done it and think about a way that they could do it differently, right? And then on top of that is the, and this is another expression that I love to use, which is don't trade innovation for increment. We have a tendency to say, let's fix that. Let's fix this. Let's, and you end up with the, you know, proverbial band-aid trying to hold things together. Whereas if you really put yourself in that paradox mindset, you can leap and you can do the, where do we really need to go? What do we really need to do? How can we be innovative? And I mean, that would be the advice that I have. 
don't be tempted by incremental gains. Uh, I, I love it, uh, especially from a narrative perspective. Mark, bring it home from from uh, as we as we put narrative to bed here. As the chief marketing officer for Airmeet, you're also the chief storyteller. What are your expectations of product marketing really to help you excel at your role, especially as it relates to narrative? Yeah, I mean, every story needs like a great character or a hero, like something like that, right? Like, so it depends on what level of altitude you're trying to tell the story at. I think there's like five or so levels of altitude that you have to you know, really nail to be complete in terms of your product marketing, messaging, and your brand. Um, I kind of like say like, hey, to land a plane, you got to go through like multiple levels of altitude. Or if you, you don't, you'll just basically crash, won't land the plane. Same for landing a customer. So again, I'll preface it with it. It slightly depends on the context. One of my favorite examples would be like the character is the customer and the customer, you know, is the is the the person or the group of people that you're really trying to use to tell the story. Right, tell the story and and also like help guide people to that destination. Goes back to my comment around like that maturity model and, and teaching people um how to actually do something differently with, with enough specificity. Um, then that's another just kind of thing I have against like some of these case studies and customer stories I see often, where it's like it's not maybe authentic enough, it's not detailed enough, it's not deep enough, and you got to get in the weeds. And especially for like I see like Siobhan shaking her head, like sales enablement, like. They want the whole story. They want all the good and the bad and the ugly because they need those points to really articulate things that they should do over and over again that worked well and things to maybe avoid. And like, so for me, it's it's all about um, the story and it, it depends on the level of altitude and it depends on who you're telling the story to. Never forget that. Oh, love it. Well, listen, I, I could speak to you folks for, for days here, but we have to conclude and... Um, let's sign off from the, the compete week with one takeaway, if you don't mind, each of you. Can you each share one takeaway to help our audience of CMOs, product marketers, and influence pros just better understand how to compete and drive revenue growth in 2023? Siobhan, we'll start with you, then Ronell, and conclude with Mark. Oh, Siobhan, you're on mute. Never gets old. <laughs> so first and foremost, you have to be able to communicate with each other. I think Jack Malcolm uh, said it best with this quote, is that value is created when an undiscovered need meets an unexplored possibility, creating an unexpected spark of creation. And when all of these support teams and these folks that are in service to the sellers and our customers come together and take that approach, that's really where the magic happens is when you put it all away and just think differently. Don't have barriers. I love it. Um, product marketing enablement, the, the interlock, especially between these two functions is crucial to the success of any go-to-market motion. So I second your, your takeaway, Siobhan. Ronel? Yeah, I'll start by saying it's two words for me. Experiences matter. And what I mean by that is every touch point with an organization, with a vendor is an experience right? Whether it's a website, whether it's a salesperson, whether it's a marketer, whether it's any demand piece that they read online, that's all a part of that experience. And that journey that a customer has with the brand, if you can't really crystallize that experience to make sure that every touch point is incrementally better and actually insightful and informative, 
then you lose, right? We know that that's what's happening. You know, brands now, any vendor has maybe at most two chances to win over a customer, right? Consumer brands have it even harder. They get one chance. 60 or 77 people will say if they have a negative experience with a brand, they'll walk away. So if you carry that over into the enterprise SaaS world, you know, making that experiences matter is critical. Oh, I love that. And um, I'm going to build off that, Brunel, for just a quick second here. Experiences matter, not just for your customers. So that W in the win has to be done very, very well. Yep. But experiences also matter internally for internal stakeholders. So the experiences we provide one another amongst our interlocks and product yeah. marketing enablement, our, our sales teams, our customer success teams, that these are our first priority customers and the experiences that we share with them and the insights we provide them, the packaging of the insights, that that should be top of mind, not just for the customer, uh, for our internal stakeholders as well. Love it. Experiences matter. All right, Mark, bring it home. What's your one takeaway for yeah, folks? Yeah, one takeaway with three quick hits. So ruthless prioritization of activities, budget, and customers. So when you think about like your activities, what are you ruthlessly prioritizing when it comes to what the marketing team is doing? Uh, from a budget standpoint, you know, have to do that, you know, next year. Uh, right now, in fact, you should be, you know, budget rigor is, is at an all-time high, in my opinion. Uh, should always be at an all-time high, but like right now, has to be. And then customers, which should always be at an all-time high as well. But for some reason, marketing teams, under-investing customers, um, you know, I'm still guilty of this, you know, it's, it's just like, I don't know, I don't know what it is, what's going to change. Um, but get, get, we've talked about it a lot today, right? The, the closest to the customer ruthlessly prioritize talking to customers and, uh, making sure they don't leave. Oh, brilliant. So be ruthless per mark on your activities, just the ruthless prioritization of your activities, your budget, your customers. Ronell's telling you to be ruthless about your experiences and Siobhan, ruthless as you collaborate amongst each other. Um, and uh, it, what, a, what a fantastic way to leave here. Thank you so much, Siobhan, Ronell, Mark. Really appreciate all your insights. All the best with your end and a successful start to 2023 for each of you. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you.